Whether it be in the New South Wales Ranges, Riverside in the Northern Territory, above treeline in New Zealand or Colorado, or in the tundra of Alaska, hunting camp is where the best stories are shared. Join me as I bring some of these stories to you, along with tips and techniques from some of the known and not so well known hunters of Australia and around the world. Welcome to Hunting Camp Down Under. Hi everyone, welcome to Hunting Camp Down Under. Uh, I do have to apologise for the delay in getting this one out. Uh, life's a bit crazy at the moment, flying overseas next week and uh, just trying to get all the my work finished off, uh, things sorted on the farm and and uh, everything else it takes to uh, to get away for three weeks. So appreciate everyone's patience um, on that. I can't, I've got to thank everyone for their for their messages and continued support as we as we grow this uh, this platform. It's um, it's been great. It's, you know, I'm really humbled to um, to hear from the guys. Uh, shooting messages through and, and the following and the sharing that's been happening I, I can't thank you guys enough and um, I'm hoping the next couple of months I'll, I'll get a lot more content out hopefully we'll get a few more episodes I'm going to try and get them done weekly um, as things settle down for me uh, personally so um, I'm looking forward to that so once again thank you very much righto this week Brad Murphy joins me to uh to talk technical, uh, Brad is the technical editor for Arrowhead Magazine. Um, he's well known in the, the 3D community and uh, and certainly a very successful bow hunter as well. Uh, he's been travelled the states, travelled Australia, uh, taken plenty of game, and um, certainly knows his way around the bush and the bow. So um, Brad it jumps into a various topics. Um, you know, helps out anybody from the the starting archer to to uh, the people like ourselves who um, who have been there for a while, but uh, just need a, a bit of advice to to kick things on again. So, um, Brad talks really really well. Um, a great conversation. Um, we could honestly go on for hours. Um, he's he's that good. So I get a lot out of it, and um, I really hope you guys do too. So, um, Brad Murphy, hunting camp down under. Please enjoy. All right, mate. Let's kick this thing off. No worries, mate. All right, Brad. Welcome to the podcast, mate. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. No, I appreciate your time, mate. It's uh, a little bit late at night, but uh, it's the only time that we can sit down together when the kids aren't running around us. going to say that's, uh, that's the trouble of having young kids, isn't it? <laughs> it sure is, sure is. <laughs> well, mate, we'll jump straight in, eh? Well, um, tell us a little bit about yourself for those that don't know you. Uh, yep, um, I've been uh, in archery for about 20 years now. Um I guess I started uh, once I stopped playing footy, uh, AFL that is. I'm from down in Victoria. Um, was just looking for something to do, and I'd done some archery at, at uh, school, high school, and things, and liked it. And there was a local club that um, had a come and try sort of day. So my um, uh, partner and the, the time and stuff, we went down and um, had a try. Really enjoyed it, um, and sort of got into it from there. Um, luckily enough, at the same time. Really good mate of mine who I've done most of my hunting and stuff with um, started at the same time, and um, we the first shoot we had we shot together, and we ended up um, a couple of weeks later both getting access to deer properties uh, that were neighbouring properties. So we started hunting and shooting and that right from then. So that was handy. Yeah, it was about twenty years ago. Yeah, very handy, <laughs> very handy. So we couldn't believe it actually. Like it's you know how often does that happen? You meet someone and they get a deer property, you get one, and they happen to be next door to each other. So. 
Oh. We cut our teeth chasing fellow for, for years down there, so yeah, it's good. Oh, that was a good good platform to start on, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, I got into um, into archery and hunting there, and sort of really got into both. Like, um, really got into the hunting, but also the target sort of stuff. Like, um, started off with ABA and did a lot of the ABA two day shoots and things like that, um, and then gravitated to three D. Really liked the three D, and um, eventually found three D AAA and got into that. How long ago was that three D AAA? I've probably been doing that 10 years, maybe. Yep, righto. Yep, yep. Yeah, 8 or 10 years, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. that'd be about the time. Um, about the time I eased up on it, I suppose. Yeah, footy and I went the other way. Started when I was younger yeah. and then went to football and everything else. Yep. Yeah. yeah so, oh, that's the thing. Like, there's so many things to do. But, um, yeah, no, so I think it was about 8 or 10 years ago, I guess. There's plenty of shooting in between that. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was so. Um, yeah, so I've been um, got into that um, and, and stayed with the hunting all the time. You know, I'd go to a three D shoot, and if I shot well, I thought, yeah, I'm going to be a three D archer from now on. And if I shot shit, I thought, shit, I'm going hunting next week. <laughs> <laughs> and then you know, I'd go out, go out hunting, and I wouldn't see a deer, and wouldn't get a shot or anything, and think, yeah, oh, no, I'm giving up this hunting. I'm going to make the three D. Yeah, but yeah, no, it's it's all good fun. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, you um, um, you've obviously excelled from there. You Obviously, for the people that show follow you on online and social media, um, you've you've gone into the coaching. You took a big leap. Oh, what was it, a few months ago now? Um, yeah, sort of going to the coaching side of things. Yeah, I um, I've been sort of um, like oh, probably ten or more years ago. I got myself a bow press and that because I was sick of you know having to go to a shop to get um, a bow tuned or put a new peep in or anything like that. So ever since then, I've really done a lot of work. Um, on my own bows and then helped other people out and things, mates around here and things. And that sort of slowly progressed over the years. And uh, earlier this year, I decided, I, you know, I might start trying to advertise and see if I can help out a few more people. And it's been, yeah, unbelievably successful. Like, you know, not only just coaching people here, but I've been running a few seminars, bow hunting, archery seminars around the place as well. Um, and so it's really just taken off. It's It's been quite good. And yeah. something I really enjoy, like I've, um, I've been writing for uh, South Pacific Bowunder, or now it's now Arrowhead Magazine um, for about five or six years, and I really got into that as well. Like I, I enjoyed helping people and stuff, and I mean it's part of my job. I'm a physio, so I'm into helping people all the time. And I just found with archery that um, you know a lot of people get into the sport and they're you know they enjoy it initially you know it's something new and they're they're reasonably good at it most people are you know, reasonably good at it when they start it uh, but then after a while they sort of start to level out or or actually get a little bit worse and um you lose a lot of people to the sport you know they they give up on it and if there's not some quality coaching or people that they can go and see um, to help them improve and and work out the little problems that they develop then yeah, we lose people to the sport and uh, I just I like helping people I like getting I get enjoyment out of people getting better and things and I think it's good for archery like I enjoy archery and I want it to, to thrive so the more people that do it uh, the better for, for me and for everyone so yeah, definitely just, do, you, do yeah. you find do you find when we well I know this is probably a little bit come from myself but the more we get into it and do you find that we become more technical and then all of a sudden we start sort of maybe going backwards yes Definitely, yep. And the more you shoot, 
the worse you can get at times. Yep. You know, yep. the, the more the more you care about it, um, and and that's that's really where sort of target panic um, comes in with a lot of people. Um, you know, you um, once you start thinking about something and and putting more pressure on yourself, you become more aware of what you're doing, and then you try and control every little thing, and and that's when things go go haywire. If you just you know, if you just relax and um, not worry about things and just let your body do what it's supposed to do, things are a lot easier. Just just like throwing a ball, you know, if you're really trying to hit a target, you tighten up and you don't actually hit it. If you just stand there throwing rocks at a at a target, you know, you can hit it nine out of ten times sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> for sure. Yeah, I noticed when so, – um, sorry, mate, go ahead. No, no, yeah, so you're right, definitely the more – the more you do it, the more you get into it, the, you know, a lot of the times the worse you become. And that, that's what I mean. Like we lose a lot of people. Like they might be in archery for, you know, 12 months, two years, three years, and they go all right, but they don't ever improve. Or in fact, some a lot of the time if their target shooter, their scores go down or if they're a hunter, you know, they start missing, you know, easy shots and things. And, and that's because, yeah, that same sort of thing. So they're talking about they, they, you just get a little bit worse. Mm. Yeah, it's an interesting sort of – development i suppose you could say you know we and the the ups and downs and it's what probably what gets me you know you just walk out one day shoot like an absolute dream and then walk out the sunday and all more so relaxed and then go down <laughs> you know just can't hit a target yep. yeah it's archery is really a um a repetitive type sport you need to do the same thing over and over again and you know if you go out and you've just got a little bit more facial pressure or you know you're, you're anchoring just slightly different then your shots are going to be off and um you know you a lot of the time we don't notice that if you haven't got a you know a, a, a really good uh, keen sense of your shot sequence and things like that so um yeah so you know you have days where you shoot well and days where you, you don't shoot well yeah. It can be from that or it can be other reasons, you know, you had a bad day at work and you're, you know, you're taking it out on your bow or, yeah, yeah. or you know, you're, you're tired, fatigued, whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> it probably leads into my next question. Um, what What's the most common problems you see as a coach and obviously someone that's been in the game for a long time? What What's the most common problems you see? <clears throat> probably one of the, uh, the three most common problems I see with, with beginners and, and when I say beginners, People have been shooting for you know even up to two or three years. Um, probably the first one is the the grip on their bow. Um, they've just got the death grip on the bow, or or if they if they haven't and they're trying to um, you know they they realise that they used to do that. They've really got a lot of tension, so they're trying to hold their fingers away from the bow, um, and that creates a lot of torque um, on the shot. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's probably one of the the biggest things. And <clears throat> Interestingly enough, with that, a lot of people, when you try and show them how to draw a bow with a relaxed hand, they can't do it because they're overdrawn, okay. they have too much poundage. Um, that's probably the, the, the first one. The, se- the second one's generally always too much facial pressure. They try and get an anchor point that's really tucked in, you know, really want to tuck their, their knuckles into their jawline and stuff and have the string right in against their face, um, and that creates a lot of left and right inconsistencies in the shot. Okay, um, I didn't know that one. Yeah, and uh, look, you know, if you've got a beard, it makes a difference. Um, don't mean to be rude, but if you're a bit chubby and got some, you know, um, big rosy red cheeks, you know, that you, you get a lot more skin contact. So mm-hmm. that can give you left and rights um, and just lead to inconsistencies. Um, and the third one's generally, you know, the, you, you re, the, the use of your release aid, uh, whether it's a, 
uh, an index trigger or a thumb or whatever. A lot of people are too quick to use their release aid. You know, yep. have that finger floating around and, and punch it, sort of thing. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, they're the three biggest sort of problems. So you know we see and and they're some generally a lot of uh, fairly easy to fix and um you know within half an hour to an hour you can get people shooting quite a bit better um by just fixing those those three things so it's it's probably impossible to answer but is there is there a simple way there are obviously three things and they all kind of come come into the same kind of group i suppose you could say is there a way simply put that you could maybe have someone sort of look at it, say, on the weekend, they go and have a shot and they could look at those couple of things. Are there any suggestions that you could make? Um, yeah, there's, I mean, there's plenty of, um, you know, you can look at uh, plenty of YouTube clips on you know, things like um, John Dudley's knock-on series and stuff like that and, and they'll, you know, they go through, if you if you put in how to grip a bow, they'll, you know, he'll talk you through that and stuff like that. Um, same with your anchor point and same with, with how to use a release aid, a particular release aid and things like that. So that's probably the easiest way. But um, once you do that, you, you actually need to get someone to film you so that you can see what you're doing. Yep. Um, and whether it's your wife, girlfriend, mates, whatever. But it, uh, Because a lot of the time what we think we're doing and what we're actually doing are two different things, um, and it's a lot of the time in the in the seminars or in the coaching that I do, I video people, you know, I video their their grip and or I video their anchor, and I show that show it to them, and they go, oh, geez, I didn't realise I was doing that, yeah. and then it's a lot easier to correct. And if you've got that video, especially initially, then as you're working on things, you know, weeks and months, you can always refer back to that. Say, oh, look, I'm going back to having too much facial pressure or you know, things like that. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, video is really good. Hmm. No, that's good. I mean, it's there's some pointers there for someone to maybe sort of you know have a bit of an issue, but it you know it's something they can um, have a crack at it. I think you yeah. you sort of touched on it just before. Um, is shot sequence? You know, I know stepping through a grip, you know, touching your face, all that kind of stuff. How important is it to have a basic sort of shot sequence, and then as you progress, you know, making that more complex. It's extremely important, I think, to have a good shot sequence and a and a repeatable one. So, to with archery, we need to be consistent and do the the same things over and over again. And if you haven't got a shot sequence that you go through and you do the same thing each time, then you can't expect your arrows to land in the same spot every time. Yeah. Um, with archery and with most sports and things like that, it's the it's the process leads to the result so if the process is right then you'll get the results at the end Um, and especially with bow hunting having a good shot sequence like it's it's very important in in target archery because you're needing to be really accurate but it's the same with hunting with target archery there's probably a little bit less pressure on you and it's 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 slower you can take your time yeah whereas you really need a good repeatable shot sequence that you can fire through automatically when you're hunting because when the pressure's on when you know that big six by six red deer pokes its head up and stuff and you've got 30 seconds or you know 10 seconds to shoot or something yeah a lot of people fall away from their shot sequence they're looking at the antlers and they just draw back and you know come to some sort of anchor they don't even they don't even remember that um, what they've done and um so yeah you would have sort of experienced that yourself where you um you know the last animal you shot you remember exactly what you what you did no. um as in yeah and, and most of us can't like you know it 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 takes a you need to have that shot so you need to be 
you know, present in the shot, present in, in what you're doing with your bow, not so much as in, in the result of, you know, and looking at the animal. Um, I think that's really, really, really important for bow hunters because that's where you'll, you know, you'll lose a lot. Um, you might lose a lot, but you, um, you know, you can miss targets or you can, you know, miss the animal, not shoot over its back, whatever, shoot, shoot it in the antlers. I'm sure you've heard that heaps of times. People look at the antlers and end up shooting them. Yeah, I think you're um, big yeah, yeah. As you said, I think a lot of time, like you hear blokes blaming the gear all the time, but it really comes back to us. It really does. Yep. Yeah. And it does. And I mean, it's there's two things. I mean, you can shoot a you can shoot an untuned bow really well um, as long as you're consistent. You know, um, I, I remember shooting an ABA uh, shoot once and my something had happened with my rest and it was my arrow was leaning down probably on a 10 degree angle off the off the string and I shot it all day and didn't realise until the end and I'd shot a 398 but you know my consistency was there that it didn't matter how the arrow was coming out sure enough that was only a field point it wasn't a broadhead but you know, I was still the bow was still doing the same thing all the time. It was out of tune, but it was still shooting the arrow the same way. As long as I did my bit, it was still going how it should. Yeah. Um, it, it is a bit different with broadheads and things, but yeah, we we do blame our equipment a lot more than what we blame ourselves. <laughs> uh, I think it's the easy. I think it's just the easiest thing to do. It is. I mean, and no one wants to, you know, think that they might they mucked up. You know, they hit the punch the trigger or they gripped the bow or you know they were that nervous that you know they weren't looking through their peep i remember the first uh good fellow buck i shot i drew back it was at 18 yards and i was at full draw and i'm thinking oh geez i'm not even looking through the peep and luckily i just you know just poked my head up through the peep and and got the pins on it before i shot it otherwise i would have who knows where that arrow would have went um you know and we all do it it's just yeah been there, done you that. Just don't hear, yeah, and and everyone has, you know. You just don't hear about those stories. They're not the glory shot, the glory things, are they? Yeah, I think it's the one. I think it's the stories that make us, you know, go back to the drawing board, talk to people like yourself, and I guess get help at the end of the day. Yeah, and that's I think I think there's two types of of, of people. There's people that, you know, if they fail or they're not improving, they they try and get better by seeking you know advice and things like that and then there's others that just think oh, it's too hard and give up um, and you know i really want to try and help as many people as i can so that you know we don't have those people giving up it's, it's a really good sport archery and bow hunting love it yeah, definitely it's um mm. it, it assumes well my life and i know it assumes yours as well so Hmm. Well, quite sure, and look, you, you can guarantee that just about everyone listening to this podcast would it would too, because otherwise we wouldn't be listening to it. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. You uh, uh, you mentioned it before, and and I think you sort of covered it just in that topic there. But you know, target panic seems to be a big thing. I know we've all all been through it, still go through it. Um, I think it comes back to you know the pressure of. I guess, well, I guess you say the, the pressure of um, some of the trips or the trophy that you're chasing. Um, have you got any sort of basic tips, I suppose, that people could to, could use to, to maybe overcome a bit of target panic? Yeah, look, uh, um, target panic is a big thing and most people have it or if they haven't, they will have it um, and, and have some degree of it. You know, not everyone gets full-blown target panic. You know, I, I had it pretty pretty bad where I couldn't, um, couldn't bring the – pin onto the target without it going off and me not even 
you know, realising I'd shot sort of thing. Um, and it all it gets back to what we were talking about before about, you know, you um, in a stressful situation, um, you, you become very aware of, of what you're doing and you, you try and over-control things. So um, instead of something being just a natural flow, um, you try and, you know, you try and really have that pin you know, on the target, on the vitals, whatever it is, and um, and end up then, you know, once it's there, then you want to sort of punch it, and that's you know, that's really what target panic is. It's it's all that pressure that we put on ourselves, whether it's targets or or shooting animals and stuff like that. Um, so the the best way to to overcome that um, is generally is to change your release aid. You need to change the style of release aid you have, yeah. um, and then develop that good shot sequence and practice your shot sequence don't practice shooting uh well shooting a target just practice your shooting so what i get people to do uh, when i coach them and anyone that's got any form of target panic or anticipation or they you know they're a bit too um quick on the trigger so to speak um i get them to shoot at 10 yards or even 20 yards but without a target up. so they just they've got nothing to aim at so i don't I don't really subscribe to the old blank bale shooting where you do it with your eyes closed and things. I think you need to do it with your eyes open and you need to have the sight on and things just because that gives you that mental picture of that's what you're going to you go to. But don't worry about aiming. Instead of aiming, you're just thinking about your shot and your shot sequence. Yep. Um, and if you can do that and control that, then it's surprising without aiming how well you'll group um, just by – that consistency our, our brain wants us to shoot an arrow in the in the center anyway yeah. of a target yeah. um so we can not think about that so much and think about our our release perhaps or um you know expanding through the shot pulling back through the shot and then the arrow will will, will find its own way there yeah yeah um i think it's quite important for people to to change a release aid because it's really hard once you've got any form of target panic to overcome that using the same release aid, you need to actually use something different. So you're learning a whole new sequence, um, and that's easier to do. Uh, I really like people to use a, um, a, like an evolution release, or uh, John Dudley sells the silverback. Um, so it's basically a, a tension-activated release. So the release goes off by just building up uh, tension. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it'll go off. Or it goes off. Yeah, it goes off by itself under pressure so you don't know when it's going to go off mm -hmm. so you can't you know you haven't got control to hit that thumb button or pull that uh, index trigger uh, and i think that's a really good way to, to to get over target panic but it's also a really good training tool to get a good a good shot a good follow-through and a, a good expansion to to have a really good shot yeah. um i used an evolution for probably a couple of years um, for everything, for target, for hunting, uh, for everything, and that really improved my shooting. Um, and so whereas now I can use any release aid and use it quite well because yeah. I'm, I'm used to that, but if I, if I go to a, a thumb release aid for a while, I'll start to get uh, a bit of target panic back. So I have to go back to, to using a, a hinge or a, or a, um, a tension, a pressure release. Um so, yeah, I think that's probably the, the, the biggest thing if you're getting any target panic is to change your release, go to a, a back tension and um, practice, like get a, a really good consistent shot sequence and just practice that. Don't aim, don't don't try and hit targets, if that, that makes probably, sense. Um, 
I went. I did that probably by mistake, actually. But um, you know, typical gear junkie, just got to ship yep. what everyone else is doing. But yeah, some time ago, I was I was the trigger shooter. Um, you know, and plenty of people shoot them unbelievably, but I was one that jumped on it from a million yep. miles away. I guess you could say. Um, yep. And and I was fast. You know, as soon as that as soon as that pin had come drifting along, you know, I think roughly where I wanted to hit, bang, yep. finger come down, and and half the time I didn't even know it was happening. Um, yeah, and it was just a matter of I was playing in one of the boys' sheds there one day, and 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 uh, he just said, "Oh, well, have a shot of that." Well, I did that, and um, and for some reason, it just sort of it felt really awkward, but it yep. kind of changed yeah, what I was doing. I sort of had to think about it. I thought, "Well, hang on a second, I've, I've actually got to think about what I'm doing here." And from there, um, I should I shoot a thumb release, but I do shoot it. I guess in a back tension style, I suppose you could say. Yeah. I don't use my thumb. Yep. I lock my thumb um, stiff, um, yep. and and use that sort of same motion to let it go off. Yeah, and that that's exactly right. That's exactly what I'm talking about. You get a new release, and uh, especially a different type of release, and you have to actually think about what you're doing. So mm. it brings you back into your shot process rather than worrying about the result and what happens downrange. Um, and that's how you get over target panic. You can't yeah. get over it by staying with the same release and doing the same thing. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, some people, you know, you look into it and go, oh, you know, we don't have to get that technical. But, uh, you know, I think it just, as it coming right back to what you said, it, it makes it more enjoyable. Um, you're less likely to give it up sooner or, you know, go yep. back to something you did before, um, whether it was another form of hunting or whatever. But, you know, I think all these things in small portions, you know, can really help all of us, I think. Yeah, definitely. And it's, you know, there's varying degrees of, of target panic and there's varying degrees of, of bow hunters and archers. Like, you know, I'm into it. I shoot, you know, every day. I love it. You know, and there's, but there's, I've got mates that shoot, you know, every couple of weeks and stuff. They're not going to get target panic anywhere near as bad as what I had it because I was, you know, really keen on it and really wanting to be, you know, a really good, accurate shot. So, you know, I was, I was concentrating on. I was worrying more. I was there was more pressure on me. Whereas if you're just going out and flinging arrows, you're less likely to have that. But the same rules apply. You'll still have a bit of that. Um, yeah, it's just it's just what it is. There's very few people that can. Um, oh, sorry. No, you go. I was just going to say. I was going to say. There's very few people that can. Um, you know, shoot well like command shoot. So you know, know that they're on the. On the target and and just punch it sort of thing. Yeah, you know, Tim Gilling Tim Gillingham can do it, and you know there's probably a few others in the world, but like everything, there you know they're the exception to the rule. And <laughs> while, while while we always like to think that we're the exception to the rule, none of us are really. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I you know watching the three D, and I haven't been around the the three D sort of. Um, world for you know for a little while but you know i remember you know some of the shots in that you know the guys were just always at the top and i know you've been there too but you know just consistently always shot well and and you always wondered you know what it was and i think they'd probably tell you the same thing you know it's they learned that shock sequence and you know went through all the you know the steps that you've just mentioned and i yep. guess that's where they and i know they have their bad days too and probably have bigger ones than what we would but um you know, they're certainly awesome to watch. Yeah, no, it's, look, you know, watching someone shoot well is just, yeah, it's, yeah, as you said, it's awesome to watch. Um, I just love watching arrows flying. I don't care whether I'm shooting them or someone else does, but, yeah, it looks awesome when it happens. <laughs> no, that's awesome. 
I mean, switching gears a little bit, mate. Um, I don't know. Oh, this could be open ended, but if I put in a little bit of scenario, um, mm. I've got a new bow. Um, I, yep. Well, I've got one coming, but just talking open. <laughs> um, got a new bow. It's turned up. I'm sitting in the shed. I'm no bow mechanic, um, but I'm pretty keen to go out for a shot this weekend. What's yep. the first things you'd sort of look at doing? Um, you've got a press, just so that you've got a press in the shed. What's the first yep. things you look doing when that you pull the bow out of the box? You know, what's a, what's some basic tuning sort of stuff that we can we can do at home? Um, basically, well, hopefully you've got a peep in, or did you say if, if you've got a press, you can put a peep in easy. But right, so what I do is go to my old bow and measure. Um, basically, I put the rest on first and get the rest centered on the burger hole. So I'd like to, to have the arrow going through the burger hole, and the burger hole is the hole that the rest screws into. Okay. Yeah. And in, in most bows, and you can check on the whatever model bow it is, I'll have it in there um, in the manual where the, the center shot is, which is basically where the, where the arrow set, sits on the rest, um, at rest and at full draw. So generally it's through the burger hole, um, and a, a lot of bows have a little line on the shelf as well that you can line up. But I just roughly have the, the rest uh, in position there, then clip the arrow onto onto the string and put a D-loop on and making sure that arrow is more or less horizontal, if anything, a little bit point down. Um, but mostly I start off with a, a, a dead horizontal uh, arrow, yeah. tie the D-loop in, uh, and then measure off my old bow how high my peep is away from that D-loop. Yep. So then I can just put the, the peep in at around about that, that spot. Uh, then I come to full draw with my eyes closed, get my anchor point, feel really comfortable with that, then open my eye and see where my peep is, see whether I need to move that up or down. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you've got a, a slightly different if – if your bow is different, so you've got a different axle-to-axle bow or it's got bigger cams on it, you'll have a slightly different – uh, string angle, so your peak might need to move up or down depending on that. Um, once you've got those two things, bolt your side on, and I normally go out then and um, shoot it through paper and see what kind of tear I'm getting. Uh, if I'm if it's a high or a high tear or a low tear, then I can move my arrow rest up and down. If it's a right or left tear, then I can move my rest right or left. Um, I generally only work one. They say you should only work one plane at a time, so get rid of your, your vertical tears or your horizontal tears first and then go on to the other one, vice versa. Yep. Um, and with the arrow rest, it's, you only really want to make micro adjustments because a little bit of adjustment can make a big difference in your tears. And I can say, you know, if you've got a right-hand tear, you need to move your, you know, your rest to the, to the right. That's not always the case with both. It's, it's weird. Sometimes you move it right and it makes the tear worse and sometimes you've got to go left. So just a bit of trial and error with that. Yep. Um, and basically then I think once you've got a reasonable bullet hole, a reasonable hole, I wouldn't be too pedantic on it. Um, I'd go out then and shoot my bow for 100 shots just yep. to settle the string in, yep. settle the peep in, all that sort of stuff, and then go back and revisit my paper tuning. One thing with the paper tuning and with any type of tuning, you need to be a reasonable shot and you need to have a really, you need to make the best shots you can. Um, I've got a, a photo of a, a fella, fella's two arrows that I, sh- um, that he shot through paper here 
ages ago. He shot one arrow and he had a three-inch left tear and he shot another arrow and he had a three-inch right tear with the same bow, same arrow, one shot after another. I got the bow. I shot a bullet hole with it. So there was nothing wrong with the bow. It was just his inconsistencies. And his inconsistency, the the main one, was his facial pressure. So just by having that facial pressure, he got two distinct right and left tears. Um, So tuning in that is really, it's good, but you need to be shooting the best you can to get a good thing. So that's why I don't worry too much about you, you know, you're getting an exact bullet hole. Um, just get it rough, and then once you've had your hundred shots, try it again, rough it. You know, try and uh, close that down a little bit. If you can't, you know, if you fiddle around with the rest and you're not getting, um, you know, it's not improving your your right or left tear or whatever it is by much. Don't worry about it. Go back to twenty yards, thirty yards, and start group tuning. Yep. Just yep. shooting groups. See how see how they are as a flying. That's the main thing. Are you a um? <laughs> A walkback tuner, or obviously you've mentioned paper tune, but do you like the walkback tune setup? I know John Dudley um, has got a pretty good thing on that. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm not. I, I basically um, will do a, a paper tune. Uh, I like to see a bullet hole. Um, and then as soon as I do that, and when I say bullet hole, rough bullet hole, and then as soon as I do that, I, I like bare shaft tuning. Okay. Um, so where I shoot one fletched arrow and one unfletched arrow at about 15 to 20 yards and yep. seeing where they land i want them to land together yep okay because i know if they land together i can shoot any broadhead and i'll be well just about any broadhead and i will be spot on with my field points and broadheads together yep i was just about to say that because i was going to ask that same question because i knew you had the answer um yeah bringing those two together yep yeah so um bringing those two together there's a, there can be some rest movement but most of the time, once I've shot a bullet hole, I don't touch the rest again. Okay. Uh, any more tuning, then I'll do some yoke tuning with my bows. So uh, the, the bus cable is the, the one that goes up and splits the top of the cam. Uh, on the Bowtex, they've got one top and bottom. You need a bow pressed for this, but you can just take some slack off and put a couple of twists uh, in one side. Generally, it's for me, it's the right side that I put a couple of twists into, just uh, induces a little bit of cam lean because obviously at full draw, uh, for me, I if my cam's dead straight at full draw, it's not. So I'm inducing a little bit of lean so that when I'm at full draw, it's actually straight. Okay. I was just about to ask you what that movement's going to do. So, that, yeah, thanks for clearing that up. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Bowtechs are really good because they've got a dual bus, bus cable. So you can do that top and bottom. So you can really fine-tune them. They're really tunable like that. Yeah. Um, but the yeah the Hoyts the PC all that are really good uh, too because they've just got you know they've got the one bus cable and, and that's enough. Mm-hmm. Um, years ago I was uh, well, actually the one of the bows that I've got now I've had it for about five or six years it's a PC Supra. I bought it uh, when I was over at the states. Um, I used to go over a bit hunting and doing some three D stuff and I was. Um, um, sort of mates with Nathan Brooks who was with PSC at the time and I spent a few days down at his place and he bought the bow for me from PSC and um, I was lucky enough to spend a, a few days down there tuning the bow and things and we did the bus cable thing but he also um, adds or subtracts spaces on the bottom cam to get that, that cam lean on the bottom um, as well so that bow was tuned in, <laughs> super tuned, it's awesome. <laughs> I can't argue with that bow, he can shoot. Well, 
Yes, exactly right. So, um, yeah, so, you know, I was lucky enough to learn a fair bit from, from him and a few others like that. So, But, yeah, the basic things are, are, are just basically your rest, um, your knock position, making sure that peeps in the right spot and then go out and shoot arrows and see where they go. Yep. And what's the easiest way if, if, if I guess, if things start getting out of uh, out of control like they do for me, um, yep. I generally just stop. Put the bow up, go sit down, go and do something else. Um, I feel that you know my fatigue, just you know your shooting fatigue, plays a massive difference when you're all plays plays a massive part of when you're trying to tune. Um, have you got any other tips in along those lines? Yeah, exactly what you said. Just you know, put it away, go away, come back later on and do it. But the problem that we have is um, when we're trying to tune, we're really trying to make good shots. So it's a bit like if you're really trying to, you know, shoot a good score at a target thing or you, you, you're inducing a little bit of target panic and you, you're overthinking, overcomplicating your shot because you're trying to be, right, I've got to get this arrow through this bit of paper and I've got to have a good shot. So you start concentrating too much about that. And that gets that tends to just snowball and get worse as you go. So if you just step away, like it's, like you said, put your bow down, go away, come back the next day, or come back a few hours later and, and shoot again, you'll find you you know you get back on track. Yep. If all else fails, take the rest off, put it back on again, start all over again. <laughs> start again. Like, yeah, um, it's the easiest way to do it. A little trick I I come up with too, or I didn't come up with it, but something I've noticed is the target that you're shooting at as well. Um. I find that a nice big flat face, rather over than trying to shoot a, a 3D target or um, one of them 18 to ones, I find that you can't, yep. I can't shoot them at all. And I found yep. that when I got a nice big face, small dot, 20 cent piece dot, or something like that, if you if you want to shoot at a mark, I find that can really hone in your um, the arrow spread. I suppose you could say. Yeah, yeah. What I um. I'd even go so far as to say I basically use a paper plate, um, just a dinner-sized paper plate, barbecue plate, cheap one, and I don't put a dot on the centre or anything. I just shoot that. Yep. Yep, and you'll be amazed how your brain wants you to shoot in the centre of that. Um, You don't need that dot, and I prefer people not to shoot a dot, a small dot, because that then does induce target panic because you're watching your pin float around on that. When it's out, then you're trying to get it back in. And um, if you just if you've just got the the big paper plate, your dot doesn't fl- fall out of it, so you're nice and relaxed, and you can just shoot. And you'll be amazed how your brain wants you to, you know, wants to centre that pin on the on the middle of the plate. You're fixing all um, the third world problems here. <laughs> it's a free consultation. This wasn't yeah, that's it? That's awesome. I knew that's that's what it was. <laughs> It's making it in my madness all the time. Yeah, that's right. No, but that's... Um, I did a I did a seminar with um, George Riles, who's a, one of the top US archery coaches and stuff. Did a seminar with him in October and uh, sorry, December or something last year. And he was talking about you know not aiming. You know when you when you're shooting, you should either be shooting for a score. So you know he's a he's a big indoor. A target shooter he said you should be either shooting for score and recording your score as if it's a competition or you shouldn't have a, a target up there at all you should just be uh, shooting without aiming okay. so just concentrating on your shot tr- concentrating on that expanding so i've sort of 
I do a similar sort of thing when I'm coaching people, but I use the paper plate thing at, at about 20 yards yep. so that you've got some reference of where your pin is. Um, and just, but don't worry about aiming, just try and go through your shot. And it's amazing how tight people's groups are. And they won't, you know, they can't believe how well they're shooting without aiming. It makes sense. Um, and just let that mind take over, I suppose you could say. That's it. Yeah. Well, you, you, you're getting back to concentrating on the process, which is, you know, your shot sequence and activating your, activating your release properly. And if you do that well, then the results will end up, you know, you'll get the results. That's awesome. So, a fellow that, well, one of the first coaches I had, or um, I went to, was James Park. Um, he's here down here in Victoria. Uh, one thing that stuck in my mind, he said, you know, when you are shooting, especially if it's windy or it's anything like that, just think someone's filming you and you want to make the best looking shot you can. Don't worry about what's happening down on the target because that'll take care of itself. If you just imagine someone's filming you and you want to make the best shot, you know, look the best you can on camera, your results will come. And it's true. It's what happens. Yeah, no, that's, that's a really good tip. That's something to remember. I'll, I'll take that one on board and hopefully a few others will as well. I think that's a good one. Mm. I like that one. Yeah. The, um, I said that I've got the new bow, um, which I have. I've just ordered an Expedition Excursion 6. So... Um, Excellent. Great, great thing to do six weeks out of travelling. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm looking at buying one tomorrow. <laughs> that's how I do these things. So we're bad at yes. each other. But, um, yes. I guess, you know, for, for someone that's looking to update a bow or someone that's listening to this that thinks they might want to take up archery, what's, yep. I guess, five things you, you would look for in a new bow? Um, first thing I like, to see when people, or, you know, or I think about is the basically the axle to axle length of the bow, um, with in regards to your draw length. So, yep. I've got a long draw length. I'm I've got a thirty one and a half inch draw length. So I need a long axle to axle bow, and because of uh, the longer axle to axle bow, the less acute my string angle is going to be at full draw. So my peep's going to be closer together. I'm going to be able to get a good anchor with the string touching my nose. Um, and all those things. Yep. So I, I used to have a, a sort of rule: if if you have a thirty inch draw length, then you need a thirty six axle to axle bow as a minimum. If you've got a twenty nine, you can go down to thirty four. If you've got a twenty eight, you can go down to thirty two. Yep. Um, and that that worked well for a while, but then nowadays there's a lot more bow companies coming out with cam, um, bows with bigger cams. Yep. And so the bigger cams actually work like a longer axle-to-axle bow. Um, so I know the I shot the um, Bowtech Rain uh, a while back, and it's got big cams on it. So the string angle's a lot uh, less acute for a bow that size. It's only a 33 axle-to-axle bow. Yep. Um, so if you get the chance, you know, your pro shop can actually should be able to fit you out um, with a bow that that's going to be at full, at your draw length, have not too aggressive uh, a string angle. I think that's really important because it, it, that's going to give you a lot better consistency if you can have a really good anchor. Yeah. Um, the next thing I think of is, is cam and cam design. So I don't like speed bows. Um, I don't think anyone needs a speed bow. When I say that, you know, things that now, you know, you can get a comfortable bow that shoots 330, 
feet per second, and that's about all you need. If you're trying to get something that's going to shoot about 350 feet per second and stuff, the cams are going to be quite aggressive, yep. so it's going to be harder to draw that bow, um, and then also harder to let that bow off if you if you need to let down. So in a hunting situation, that's really important. You want, you know, if you're cold or if you've been sitting for a while, uh, or you're sitting in a tree stand or whatever, um, kneeling down, it's hard to draw a bow as it is. And if you've got an aggressive cam, it's really hard to draw that bow comfortably and smoothly so the animal can't see you. And the same thing if you're at full draw and the animal walks behind a tree and you've got no shot and you can't hold for that long, you've got to let it down. You need a smooth bow that you can let down comfortably with the arrow bouncing around. Yeah, yeah. I think that's really important. Um, brace height is somewhat important as well. Um, so brace height is the, the distance between the string and the back of the rest. Um, used to be really important until the string stops came in. Um, so now with a string stop, it's not as important. Um, but you know, the, the, the longer the brace height, so my the brace height on my bow is about seven and a half inches. Yep. So it, you know, um, the string that sorry the bow is on the string for a, a less amount of time. If I had a six inch brace height, the the arrow sorry would be on the string for a longer amount of time. So there's more chance that I can muck up something. I can do something to the bow to affect that arrow. So the the longer the 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 bigger the brace height the less chance you have of, you know, being able to do something to, to muck up the bow. Yep. Now, again, that's dependent on draw length too. I've got a 31.5-inch draw length, so 7.5-inch brace height for me is probably like a 6-inch brace height for someone who's got a 28-inch draw length. Okay, yep. yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, the third uh, – sorry, the fourth thing is probably the grip on the bow. You know, you need to be able to try it and, and feel that it's comfortable. So not only the grip but the whole bow. You know, you you want to you want to feel comfortable drawing that bow and holding that bow. Um, and that's you know, unfortunately in Australia we we can't all get to a shop that's got all the bows that we want to try. Um, but wherever you can, you know, big borrow steel, you know, join an archery club, <laughs> shoot someone else's bow, and that, that's a good thing. Like archery clubs majority 99% of people will let you shoot their bow yep. you know to try it out and stuff like that so um, archery is generally good in that that sort of aspect um, and the probably the last one is uh, camo design maybe <laughs> I don't know <laughs> yeah. yeah that's right <laughs> but I, probably physical weight of it, um, it is a big thing depending on what kind of accessories you've you've got or you're going to get um, so the the heavier a bow, the more stable it's going to be at full draw. So you, your pin's going to float nice and softly. The lighter your bow, the more your pin's going to wobble around. Yep. But if you're going to be someone who does a lot of backpack hunting, you might want that lighter bow because you've got to carry it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you're someone that's just going out on the weekend, you're driving, you know, you're walking you know, a couple of hundred metres and then you're whistling foxes and things like that, you can go with a heavier bow. Yeah. Um, the lighter bow you can obviously put heavier accessories on so you know some sights and stuff now are really heavy and same with rests and stabilizers and things like that so with a lighter bow you can put uh, more of those things on and still have a reasonable weight yeah whereas a heavier bow you need to go yeah lighter in all those things so um yeah that's, that's probably about it, I reckon. That's been part of the change, all mate. I, um, you know, I was open. I was shooting in Matthew's Halon for the last sort of all well, this year, and um, it's just a it's the weight thing. Um, 
I did yeah. had a little bit of trouble with hand talks as well, which is something that I haven't had much an issue with before, but it's just a, a Matthews grip thing, I think, and it just doesn't suit me. So I try to go back. <laughs> so, uh, but I think a lot of the time it's in my head as well. So, um, but anyway, And that's the thing. you got It's confidence sort of thing. It's a bit like your release aid, you know. If you're getting target pain, you've got to get rid of it. And- yeah. Start again with something new, and you know if you if you haven't if you're not confident in your bow or in your equipment in any part of your equipment, it's not going to do you any good with you with your shooting. Yeah, it's sort of it's it's good to be confident with that, and that makes you just worry about the rest of it. But um, mm. at least you've got your gear, gear sorted. So yeah, right, you've brought think, up some awesome stuff. I think um, we could probably go on this for for hours honestly and i think we'll ne- definitely need to do another one and we could probably even get more technical i think but yep. um i've got to ask you you um i've sort of your partner's probably not liking me right now but you've got a pretty good trip coming up next month <laughs> yeah yeah no actually my partner's really my wife's really happy about it so she's keen <laughs> it was um yeah it was uh yeah great trip to new mexico with yourself and jerry and ben and yeah, I'm stoked. I'm looking at my pack right here in front of me now. I'm slowly getting all my old gear together. It's been about, uh, I think it's been about four or five years since I've been over chasing elk. So I'm, um, I'm pretty keen. I was I'd sort of gone over about six or seven years in a row and um, had, you know, a little, little bit of success. Nothing, nothing major. But this trip, I think, uh, yeah, I reckon more of my cards are. Everything's going to fall into place with this one, mate. I reckon. And I think, so, and, and I know, you know, oh, that's what I love about this, I guess, our hunting community, especially our Australian one. And, and um, you know, this opportunity obviously come up and, and you know, I was, I was lucky enough to, to get that, the word on it. And, um, you know, that my contact in, in the States was, was kind enough to, to let us know that, you know, his other hunter had fallen through. And, you know, and, and I've only been talking to yourself for a few weeks and, you know, I think it was a little bit tongue-in-cheek. I sent you a message and said, did you want to come in <laughs> September? The last thing I thought you were going to say was yes. So, um, but it's just... Yeah. It, it couldn't have come at a, um, a better time. Like, I, um, my wife and I had a you know, second son back in on the 28th of March, so that ruined my uh, my rut this year. Um, although I did have three weeks paternity leave and I, I spent every day hunting locally um, <laughs> to no luck. But um, we're in the middle of building a new house and, and we were sort of trying to sell our, our current house and um, we'd finally got the, the all clear that um, we'd sold our house the day before you text me. So I yeah, sold this house, had some money, <laughs> and um, then you text me so I've spent it straight away. Bang. That's awesome. That's such a good <laughs> it's, time. It's crazy how these things happen. But oh, it's un- unbelievable. You've elected to go the um, the guided deal. Obviously, you had the option to go self guided or guided, and yeah, I didn't um, ask and you the other day. What what was your main reason for for doing that? I, I think it's a great decision, but what was your sort of um, just time, just time? Um, I've as I said, I've hunted probably six or seven years over there, and it's been unguided every time. Um, and I, um, you know, we've hunted public land in sort of Oregon and um, and Montana and things, and it, it's tough. Um, hunting you know unguided and stuff and i know this is um like new mexico it's a good tag it's a good unit things like that there's not going to be the the amount of hunters there but um, with only sort of six or seven weeks i don't have enough time to do enough research to justify that tag 
Yep. Um, you know, I need to know, you know, I'd, I'd need to get on and do a lot more Google stuff. I'd need to be on the net trying to contact people that have hunted in that um, that unit before and um, trying to get advice and where to go, what to do, you know, that sort of stuff. So at least with a guide, um, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna be paying for him to do all that research. Yep. I'm going to still be shooting, you know, the bull. Uh, I'm going to be doing the hunting and, and you know, I'll, I'll be – making a lot of the decisions along with you know with his advice sort of thing but um yeah that all that research that i haven't been able to do if i had you know known that i had this tag a few months ago uh, three or four months ago then i'd have enough time to to perhaps do that and do it myself but i just don't so i think i think it's awesome i mean you know credit to you to to go that way you've you've done it the other way and and i don't think there's a good and bad night away i think it's whatever you feel like at the time and you'll certainly enjoy yourself takes a little bit of pressure off you know some of that that homework's done for you and logistically you know it really helps too obviously i hunted your tag the same one last year and um just the earlier season so the early archery um which is you know where you guys we're going straight into the you know what should be the you know, peak rut sort of thing. The peak of it, yeah. I guess you just, oh, the way I look at it, you want to make the absolute most out of it. And um, That's I, right. It's not yeah. for anyone to go guided or self-guided or, you know, semi-guided, yeah. whatever you want to do, as long as you're getting over there and or anywhere and, and ha- just ripping in and having a great time. And, you know, mm. if, if you come out successful, mate, all the better. If you That's don't. right. And, look, I think one thing a lot of people – um, don't realise, um, you know, if you're going to hunt the states, you've got to take all your meat out. Yep. And an elk's an effing big animal, um, <laughs> so y- you really need. But you really need to be organised with that. You can't. You just can't go in and hunt like you can here, and you know, take the head out. And you, you need to have be able to take the meat out. But you've also got to be able to do something with it. Yep. So you've got to have someone to give it to. Yep. Um, you know, you can't just bring the meat out and leave it inside the of the road. That they don't like that over there at all. Yeah, so that's you know that's another that's another big issue. Um, uh, well, you can just go and buy a tag and and hunt in public lands in in a lot of places in the states. If you are successful, then you run into all those problems. So that's just another you know another reason to to have an outfitter. Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, it, it certainly helps, and I think we're in for an epic road trip. I don't know, that's for sure. So it's um, it's going to be and, um, only six weeks away. Yes, no, looking forward to it, and it's, a, it's going to be a good bunch of bunch of blokes too I've, i know jerry's been uh, working pretty hard he's been coming over a, a bit and been doing some work on his bow and things and uh, i know benny's been i was talking to him a few months ago about new bows and all that sort of stuff so and you yourself as well so i think i'm going to pull the trigger and, and get something different uh, tomorrow too so Can I ask what you're thinking? uh yeah i'm thinking uh, a hoyt double xl okay yep so um, I've got a, I've got a my trusty old PSE here, um, but and it's it shot a lot of stuff, but I just, I'm I've never been a hundred percent happy with it. It just doesn't aim as well as what some other bows that I've shot and you know got have, but it's reliable. It just you know does the same thing. And to be honest, everything I shoot nowadays is you know thirty yards or under, so yeah. you know it doesn't make that much difference, but. I'm a bit, bit of a perfectionist, like you know, like a lot of people, and you know, I don't want to shoot, you know, in the heart and lungs. I want to shoot the heart or the top of the heart. You know, I want to be really accurate, sort of thing. So I think that bow will help me. And and you know, I've had Hoyts before, and I like their reliability. 
we're going into a wilderness area, I want to take one bow that's not going to, you know, nothing's going to happen to it. Yeah, definitely. It's a bit of a trip out. I think we're, well, it's two and a half hours, I think, to the closest store, if you want to say that. And I think you're about five hours to the closest archery shop. So, um, yeah. definitely lost a day if, uh, if something goes wrong. But, yep. Should be all good. Yeah. You'll be fine. Oh no! Look, should, no, look. I've got my own little, you know, kit of stuff that I take with me that uh, emergency repairs and all that sort of stuff I can do. But you know, if a if a limb breaks, then I'm in trouble. <laughs> you just make so, sure you got that radio on so I can contact you when I have got something going wrong. Yeah. <laughs> How far are you? Fifty miles? Yeah, something. Like just, I'll just I'll just run over there. Yeah, right. Yeah. Get on your horse, mate. Right. <laughs> Cam Haynes would run. <laughs> I can't see why I can't. Yeah, right. You got him covered. Mate, that's um, it. Yeah. Once again, thanks for your time, mate. Um, it's um, where where's the best place for people to find you, um, especially if they're interested in getting some coaching or, or just getting in contact to to discuss maybe a few issues they've got. Yeah, look, um, I'm on Instagram as Aussie Bowhunter, uh, and on Facebook just as as Brad Murphy. Um, so either of those are, are probably the easiest. Um, advertise the the bow hunting seminars and stuff through both of those. And look, I'm happy to help out. You know, anyone, anytime. So, and not only you know, coaching here and seminars and stuff. But if people have got questions and stuff, just give me a ring. Like you know, I yep. like talking archery and I like helping people out. And it's no cost to them to make a phone call and you know, ask a bit of advice and things. And I'm quite happy to help out wherever I can with anyone. So, no, good on you, mate. That's awesome. Yeah. I noticed, yeah um, so, just to give you a bit of a plug, mate. You've got another one um, seminar coming up shortly. Did I see you? I think it's up north. Is Townsville? Yeah. So, yeah, Townsville, 2nd of September, so I thought I'd squeeze one in before we went away. <laughs> I was up there a, a, probably a month or so ago and uh, did a fair bit of coaching with a few blokes and uh, there's a few people that were interested in uh, having a seminar, so I'm going to shoot up there um, on Saturday, yeah, the Saturday, the 2nd of, of September, so if anyone's interested or knows anyone that's interested, then um, just um, contact me through um, Instagram or, or Facebook and we'll have you along, it'd be great. No, awesome, Brad, mate. I, I cannot thank you enough, and um, some awesome content there. It's you know something um, I definitely think a lot of people get out of. I certainly I did. I've I've made some notes here while we've been talking, so um, can't thank you enough, mate. And I look forward to um, yeah seeing you in Sydney to fly out in six weeks time. Yeah, no, thanks very much, mate. I hope it was um, all clear to everyone. I get a bit passionate, a bit. Uh, um, you know, I just know all you've got all this knowledge and it just sometimes comes out too quick and stuff. So hopefully everyone it makes sense to a lot of people, but if it doesn't they can contact me anytime and ask some questions and things. But thanks very much for having me on and good luck with the rest of the podcast, mate. I listened to the first one the other day and it was awesome and I think you'll um you'll go on to bigger and better things, mate. Good on you, mate. No, thanks. Yeah, so it's a bit of a learning curve as you our technical difficulties tonight, but uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, look, it's like anything, mate. You just The more you do it, the better you get at it. You've already started off at a good level, so I can only see you getting you know, into the stratosphere from here, mate. So. <laughs> good on you, mate. All right, mate, we'll, um, we'll catch up soon, and um, thanks again. No worries. Cheers, Halsey. Good on you, mate. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Hunting Camp Down Under podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Hunting Camp Down Under. Send me a direct message with any general questions or further information on any of the topics that were discussed during the podcast. Or if you have a great story to tell and would like to share it, be sure to hit me up. I'd love to have you on the podcast. You can also email me at huntingcampdownunder at gmail.com. That's it from me this week. 
May the hunting gods be with you on your next adventure. Bye for now.